This is the Simply Love Jesus podcast where we explore life and faith through the lens of one question, which is what does it mean to simply love Jesus? I'm your host, Caleb S. Davis, and my co-host, Aaron Collier, is not with us this evening. He's living the busiest life of all time right now. I miss him every day. I cry a little bit inside. My soul screams for him. Um, and But you know what? We're changing things up a bit because uh, right now I'm actually in Kansas City with a bunch of my students. We are uh, going on this awesome summer adventure and uh, we decided, you know what, we're here, we're in Kansas City, there's a Waffle House literally right next to our hotel. So I'm gonna grab me and some of my students who've been going through our discipleship called The Few and we're gonna get out of our regular routine of what we had on the schedule for camp and we're gonna go to Waffle House and we're gonna record what will now be known as the Waffle Cast. So, that being said, I'm going to introduce each of the uh, guys. I got uh, Joe. Hello. I got Carson. How's it going? I got Logan. What's up? And I got Jacob. What's up? All right. So I'm just, like, so excited that we're here in Waffle House because you guys have never experienced Waffle House before. <laughs> no. no. Nope. I haven't. It's just good. Yeah. It's because you guys are from you know Iowa and you Midwesterners can't experience the glory of God. Like you do here at, uh, at Waffle House. No, wasn't it you? Wasn't it you who said that it's only considered good because it's like cheap or convenient? Which one was it? Yeah, well, it's it's Waffle House is great because it's in Georgia. We always and me and my friends in Georgia, we would always say that a uh, a good a good night isn't really a good night unless it's ended at 3 a.m. in a Waffle House. Like if it. Here's my thing. Is we have this cheap and convenient place where in Iowa too. I, I like to go there. Uh, it's a little place, kind of more local. It's called McDonald's. Um, <laughs> that's that's kind of my go-to. <laughs> McDonald's, right? Oh my gosh, dude. Wendy's has a better deal with the four for four, though. So far, what have you guys thought about uh, camp so far this week? It's been lit. It's been a good time. Got a lot of fun in. Got a lot of serving the homeless in. It's been good. My knee hurts. I had surgery a week ago, and I've done a lot of walking. I walked at Worlds of Fun. I walked today to the garden when we were at the homeless shelter deal. Then I walked back from the garden. It's just a lot of walking. You're really loving the stairs, but too. Stairs have not been my friend either, so my knee's okay, I think. Just putting it out there, I offered to carry him multiple times, and he refused multiple times, so he had options. Don't I feel that bad. I am a strong, independent disciple, all right? I don't need it. <laughs> Joe, what have you thought about uh, Camp Silvart? Well, it's been pretty fun, you know, like between beating you guys in munchkins and beating you guys in poker, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that's brutal. <laughs> Crush my soul, why don't you? Oh, man. One of the things that I had on my agenda tonight was um, really simple, but it was going to be reading through a blog post that I put out a little while ago about discipleship and ending up getting like your guys' commentary on it because you guys have kind of experienced the stuff firsthand. And uh, I just think it's been really fun to see how you guys have grown through it and how you guys have changed um, and how the different you know processes of the few have gone on. Uh, it's going to be really simple, and it's going to be really fun, really excited. We're just going to talk talk about life, faith, simply love Jesus, discipleship, all the good stuff, and then I'll pass the microphone around to each of them as we talk through and stuff like that. So that being said, um, Logan, um, hey, uh, what's Philippians 2.14? Do everything without grumbling or complaining. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what's, uh, what's Romans 5.8? I don't remember. <laughs> That's 
we got, easy well, one. we're in the middle of Waffle House. I don't care where we are. You gotta give me 10 push ups. He gets the napkins out. Oh my goodness. Look at the napkins out. Are you oh, kidding me? Just You're ruining perfectly good napkins. You gotta do 20 now. Joe, Joe, what's Roman's five eight? No, no, no. That's probably uh, is that gunshot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, food. Distraction uh, time. That's right. Uh, for God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, even when we were all still sinners. That's right. That's right. Can I get a side of mayonnaise, please? Awesome. That'll be twelve dollars. <laughs> Thank you. Where's that syrup? What is syrup? It's right there. Oh, how did I miss this? As my mother would say, if it were a snake, it would have bit you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, Logan, why is it that uh, make you guys do push-ups when you don't know your verses? Because you're mean. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. It's because I'm mean. Yeah, are you gonna eat your pickles? He wants you to know your verses. Well, and well, the reason is well, if you don't have any part, to learn because you want you don't want to know your verses. Because if you have to do push-ups, I want to do push-ups. You're not going to want to do push-ups, so then you're going to want to know your verses transversely. People. Satan's always going to be attacking oh. at you. That's I am. That too. And Jesus Josh. did push-ups. Yep. Jesus was. Jesus was ribbed, dude. No, you know, um, he didn't stand out. Um, Jim, Jim Colossians 7 8, you know? I mean, just come on. And Honest Jesus folks. said to thee, Go and become swole. Yeah. <laughs> Second Schwarzenegger 316 <laughs> says that um, thou shalt not skip it the day of legs. So. <laughs> no, so the reason that we have you guys do push ups is because life is going to beat you down. Ministry is hard. Just like, just like today when we were serving the homeless community. You know, doing the just like when we were serving the homeless community today, the garden work is hard and it's tiring. But ministry is going to beat you down, and you have to learn to push past the hard work of what you're doing to actually get to the good stuff. And yeah, it's going to be great. So, all right, cool. So this is the third part in a three-part blog post called "What Is a Disciple?" And so this is. Uh, We've been talking about one question, which has been widely misunderstood. What is a disciple? In the last post, we redefined discipleship as the process of growing a personal relationship with God through mentorship. So in, in this post, I want to give everyone three things that I believe is required for true discipleship. Now, before we continue, can you guys guess what those things are? What are three things that are required for true discipleship to take place. A rabbi, Discipline. a rabbi, people to be discipled, <laughs> and the Bible. Okay. And I'm not a rock. <laughs> okay. One of them is sacrificial commitment. How intentional you are. Intentional investment, and what? Time. Discipline. Relational what? Uh, authority. There it is. All right. Making sure how much you guys are retaining this stuff. So in the post I write, I have, a, I have a discipleship process called The Few, and my youth pastor in high school created it and then passed ownership to me. And since then, I've made modifications to the process while sticking to the core experiences and spirit of the original process. We're about teaching, how, teaching others how to cultivate bold disciples who will, minister, who will minister to the world wherever they go 
In order to do that, our process revolves around the illustration of a rubber band. And rubber bands are designed to do one thing, stretch. And if a rubber band is not being stretched, it is not being used what is it is, it is intended for. And in the same way, Christians are a lot like rubber bands. We're not being used if we're not being stretched. So throughout the discipleship, our goal is to stretch the comfort zones of each and every disciple, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and even physically. We aim to stretch the comfort zones of our disciples. Throughout the stretching, we teach them practical and power tr powerful truths in dynamic ways. And the results always pay off. I have never seen someone go through the few whose life has not been radically changed. In high school, we saw hundreds of students come, to, come to into the doors of our student ministry and hear the gospel. In my own life, every student who I have discipled has learned what it means to simply love Jesus. And I can confidently trust that each disciple will teach the true love of God to anyone and everyone everywhere. And so, three requirements for true discipleship. So I'm not here to sell you on, a, on my method of disciple making. I don't believe my way is quote unquote the way. I just believe it's a way. An effective way, but nevertheless, it's just a way. And so what I wanna do is to share with you driving principles, a philosophy if you will, regardless of whatever method you use to disciple someone. Here are three things that I believe you need to include if you want, to, to, if you want your discipleship to be effective. One is intentional investment, the second is sacrificial commitment, and the third is relational authority. So intentional investment. This point should be fairly obvious, but effective, effective discipleship requires you to actually invest in the people you are teaching. Um, invest in their lives, teach them what you know, invest in them by passing on your knowledge, share with them the events of your life and how you're using God's word to respond to those things. And in the process, teach them how they should respond to certain things in their life through the love of God. So I invest in my disciples by teaching them my philosophy, Simply Love Jesus, which sets up, a, a, sets up biblically fundamental truths that they can use to as a filter when navigating life. And so I want to give you guys, like, each section, I want you guys to kind of provide some commentary. So the first one is intentional investment, and I kind of just talked about that for a second, what that looks like. How have you guys, in your experience in the few so far, and so Jacob and Carson – these guys were the first ones to go through it, and then, you know, Logan and, and uh, Joe, you guys are recently going through it. I want to hear like each of your like response, how you've seen that played out, and your experience, and how I when I've discipled you. So we'll start with Jacob. Well, a lot of times there's like <clears throat> things where we just like hang out and stuff. So like, basically, we could call Caleb at any time, and he'd pick up the phone. It was pretty cool. And just like the ways they invested us in us with like going to Hearthstone us at like random times, it's just pretty cool to see. And it really encouraged me in my faith to uh, see like, oh, he was really into this Jesus guy. I need to probably check him out a little bit more. <laughs> I'd say intentional investment is really important because like, I mean, if you're not actively like investing, then nothing happens like with discipleship because because. And that's with like it's with both parties. Like both parties have to care. If neither care, then nothing happens. Neither of them try to do anything, and neither do. Um, if just the like guess rabbi um, wants is having intentional investment, but the disciples aren't, 
then the rabbis are trying to put so much into these students and they're just reciprocating nothing back. And it puts down on the rabbi uh, and the students don't get anything out. It's like, like uh, yeah, when, like, when, like when Caleb was always like, hey, know your verses. And it's like, if, when I did, it, it, it felt good because I was like reciprocating that intentional investment uh, and knowing that verses. Because I knew that that was like, I ben- I'm benefiting from it. And Caleb, like, I guess, like, in that, through that, he learned how to better, better, like, teach, teach his disciples how to, like, learn verses and know which ones were, like, the most impactful. Joe, we'll go to you next. And you and Logan, you guys have been, it's been newer for you guys because this is your first year going through it. Jacob and Carson, this is their second year in the next stage of it. So what, how have you seen intentional investment? being kind of modeled to you how have you received that how has that changed your experience and how you're growing to get to know god um for you well uh i i do know that intentional investment like you know if you kind of put more effort into it you uh you would learn more and grow more i also know that i'm definitely not a model disciple here so uh whenever i have like invested myself in any of the few i've learned yeah I'd say the day we had to share our feelings, like, I was not, like, comfortable doing that. That was, like, really hard for me, but uh, I, once I did it, it felt better. I got a lot off my chest, and it, it just, uh, just everybody surrounding me uh, really helped out. That investment from all you guys praying for me and, like, knowing that you guys care really helped. For those couple of listeners, which I found out the other day, because I was looking up the stats, you have, I have me and my friend Aaron, who we run, we run this podcast. We have an average of thirty six listeners right now, and we've only had three episodes. So like, and one of our listeners is from South Africa. So like, what's up, dude? <laughs> um, so that's good. But uh, a couple of clarifications for those um, who are eventually listening when this comes out. Um, so what Logan was referring to is we have a specific day called the Chair Day, and in the Chair Day, all the kid, all those students come in. And uh, we have a chair in the middle, and uh, I just sit there awkwardly, and I just pray for transparency and openness, and then I just let it sit there in the awkwardness. And for a good 15 minutes, you just sit there awkwardly until finally someone figures it out and then goes and sits down, and they just start spilling all their guts, and then everyone starts praying over them, and then next thing you know, everyone starts spilling their guts, and it's just like a beautiful thing every time. Um, and another thing, you hear us, uh, especially in the few, we use terms like rabbi and disciple. And that's not to say that like somehow we're like uber spiritual or anything like that. We just use those terms because it helps us put us in the same state of mind of the last point, which is the relational authority. And using those words, which is the same they would have used back in Jesus' day um, in their vocabulary, discipleship, just helps us get into the spirit of that. Um, in, the, in that right heart, in that mindset of the relationship between a teacher and the student and the person who's being discipled and the person who's discipling them. The, uh, the next one is the biggest one, in my opinion. It's like the most important one, which is why I have it in the, in the middle um, between the first and the last one, which is sacrificial commitment. So I can summarize the entire point of sacrificial commitment in one sentence, which is Jesus will never be convenient. To stay up late, helping teach your disciples how to navigate through the Bible, to learn who God is as a person, to intentionally invest in them, it all requires sacrifice. Sacrifice your time, your energy, it requires you to be committed to being the teacher, which requires a sacrifice from you, 
and it requires the same from them. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So you have to sacrificially commit your commit to your disciples, and they also have to willingly sacrifice um, or sacrificially commit to you as their teacher. It must cost both of you something. One of uh, my disciples is a really busy guy, and actually, I'm, when I'm writing that, when I wrote this blog, I was actually writing about Carson. Um, he said he's in jazz band, show choir, acapella. He's taking all types of advanced classes. Like the dude's like the busiest guy I've ever met in my life. Um, but he applied, and he understood that he would need to sacrifice his time if he wanted to be a disciple. So with everything plus discipleship, he had almost no free time. Um, but he did it, and he didn't have enough time for discipleship. If And if he didn't have enough time for discipleship, um, I can confidently say he probably would have given up one, at least one of his extracurricular activities to sacrifice and make time for his spiritual growth. Um, and I think the only reason he didn't is the fact that he took what he learned in the few and applied it to minister to those in his, the other activities that he was in. So he took advantage of his lack of free time and used in the places where he was busy and was intentional with the people there using the things he had learned in the few um, and through this discipleship. Um, but if I had, you know, um, because he understands, and that's because he understands the third um, piece of effective discipleship, all of this. Um, but before I move on to that third piece, um, I'd like to hear from you guys. How have you felt you've had to sacrifice um, to commit to discipleship? What does sacrificial commitment look like for you guys? We'll go in the same order. So for me, it took a lot of like extra time to memorize those verses because there's like I would I wasn't always the best at like memorizing my verses, but like so. Like, it took me extra long to memorize things. Yeah, so it's kind of like one thing. A lot of times, commitment. Time investment is a big thing, especially um, when it comes to, like, reading your Bible. You, you do have to kind of sit ahead. You have to set apart time for that every day. I, uh, I can't binge Netflix as much as I'd like to, you know. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's something I think I really need to work on because I've been busy uh, graduating high school this year. Um, with a job this summer and uh, all the things I have going on in my life. Uh, that's something I could definitely get better at. And all of this, why we would even sacrifice our time, why we would even put effort in um, sacrificing the things we want, kind of leads us to this third point, which I talk about in this post, which is relational authority. Um, anyone who puts in an application to be a disciple quickly, quickly learns what is expected of them by the time their first day is over. Uh, we explain to them that what I am explaining to you, the, and I talk about the history of discipleship, um, the idea of rabbis and their disciples in the first century Israel, um, and they choose to continue with the discipleship. They willingly give me, the teacher, a level of authority over their life. And they understand that in our discipleship, there is an established student and there's an established teacher. And what this looks like for you may be different, but in our context, it means two things. It means when I say it, you do it. And there is no area of their life that I do not have the right to speak into. Uh, and I'm not saying it's the perfect way, but it, for us, it, it works pretty well. Uh, however you apply it, there needs to be a level of relational authority. Your disciples have to willingly recognize you as an authority in their life. 
So uh, how have you guys kind of reflected on the relational authority? Because I know my relationship with you guys has all been very different in comparison to the other students in the student ministry. Um, and it's probably been different in comparison to even other either youth pastors that you've had or different mentors. It's just, I just I know for a fact that like the way that I'm, I disciple people is not the same as everyone else. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on like how has that, that key point of relational authority um, affected you? How have you reflected on it? How has it been different? Just general thoughts and bloop. All right, so with relational authority, it's, like you were saying, there's always like a teacher and a like student kind of thing. So it's pretty pretty cool experience to be the student, except for when you had to do push-ups on the McDonald's floor. <laughs> that was gross. And I didn't get napkins to put my hands on <laughs> like this kid over here. Hey, Waffle House is a lot grosser than I don't know about that. <laughs> don't be, don't, don't be hating on Waffle House. This is the Waffle cast. <laughs> but, yeah. And... It was also like kind of cool because like you stretched my comfort zone a little bit more than I was like I guess comfortable with because that's kind of the whole point with like having to speak in front of people like I'm more of a shy guy but then like doing that it kind of like helped me grow a little bit more and kind of get out there and like the how can I pray for you today that really helped me like grow a lot more with different things like that that just really helped me stretch i guess for me relational authority has been it's, it's like it's been important but i think something that like was like a really key tie-in with caleb and his relationship with relational authority was like i think often when they like when someone hears it like when i heard it at first when i was thinking i i definitely my mind was thinking more heavily on the authority part of it than the relation and so when you have uh when you have relational authority um you kind of have to make sure you're having a balance of like being authoritative like at when it's needed but like more importantly is like the relational part of it which is like being close with them um and doing things just like hanging out with them going to get donuts and play board games and such like that you know yeah uh and so that's that's the thing it's like with the relational authority, the part that I think affected me the most was the relational part. We didn't really have like a strong relationship before. Like we did, but like not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. So like we've just kind of gotten a closer relationship, I might say, yeah. since yeah. the view started. I definitely, uh, I remember, especially like the first year of the few, always going, playing board games that hurts donuts. And, and it's, a, it's just a key. It's I think that's just the hard part, especially when it comes to discipling students is the friend it, I mean I guess on one hand it's, it's dependent on your personality but uh, the growing closer in relationships with students is kind of a given for the most part because if you truly care about them and love them you're naturally going to want to grow closer to them and be, and be their friends and stuff like that um, the harder part is is asserting that relational authority because that balances on one hand if they you know if they just don't take you seriously then they're just going to think there's no... Like, okay, I remember, uh, Carson, we had a conversation. We were at uh, that Chinese place, um, and I asked you, um, was why is it that do you think church isn't as high of a priority among um, students as, like, you know, things like show choir and stuff like that? And your answer was so, like, fascinating. You said that it's because there's no consequences. You know, I can show up to church 
and God's not, you know, kicking me out of the church. But if I don't show up to my band practice, you know, I may not be able to be in the band. And so that's why that's uh, part of that is is the is the tension for people who are making disciples is being able to help them understand that that the relational authority piece helps them understand the importance of man. I can't slack off. Like if anything, like my relationship with God is where I don't slack off. Is be, that's why that relational authority piece is so important. It's 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 getting in there and understanding you're already going to be close with them because when you help stretch the comfort zones of students you put them through those those many memories of those hard times and that helps both people grow closer together but in the midst of that you have to be able to to step in and give them that relational authority because it helps them push them forward and in the same way it helps guide them and helps them understand that oh man this is serious like this isn't just I just do this, and if I don't feel like it, well, he's my buddy-buddy, so if I just don't do it, he's going to forgive me. There has to be this tension, if that makes sense. This not pressure in a bad way, but a good kind of pressure, if that makes sense. What has been some of your bigger takeaways? We'll start with the two seniors. Well, I think it's really just been good for me to have this this year because next year I'll be on a college campus, and there'll be, like, temptations, and a lot different than my small Christian school kind of thing I had. I hope that um, leads into me being able to get connected next year and help me grow my faith more. Yeah, yeah I'd say for me it's like really, uh, really solidified like the idea of having accountability and like going on to college. It's like I need to find a group, good group of guys that will yeah. hold me accountable and will be like good things to like read. The bi- read through the Bible together, like stuff like that. Just... Joe, what's been one big takeaway other than the fact that you think I hate you? <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't say you hate me. I said I hate you. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I guess just that, I don't know, Christianity is more of like a serious commitment than a lot of people kind of treat it like. So that's kind of the biggest thing I've thought of, you know. I've learned all, all sorts of stuff. What's the question? So I'm, I'm answering what, uh, what I'm going to take away going into the next year. Um, I think going into my senior year of high school, uh, I think that's pretty much as soon as you start your senior year, I think in, at least in my mind, because I've always been wanting to get, like, seventh grade rolled around, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for college. Let's get out of this place. <laughs> but, like, I think, like, at least for me, at the beginning of senior year, I'm, like, kind of starting to put in that mindset of, like, all right, I'm getting out of here. Time to leave home so I think as I'm kind of going through that and going through a lot of lasts for high school like last concert for whatever last uh, like last year full year I'm staying at home you know Um, and so I think as I'm going through that taking everything I've learned putting it into not necessarily anything like huge but just kind of like the smaller cracks in my life you know well, I don't tell you guys nearly enough because I know I'm always pretty hard on all of you. But I'm always, I am super proud of all you guys. I think you guys have grown a lot, um, and I definitely look forward to uh, seeing how you guys continue to grow, especially after you go to college. And I still get to call you and chew your butts out when you're not being good. <laughs> no, but I am super proud of you guys. You guys have all killed it, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to just seeing you guys finish strong and. Um, just looking forward to seeing how it's going to affect how you minister to the people around you because the whole point of discipleship is all about teaching people to be able to be co- to be confident that they can minister to others around them, that they can be confident to know that they can minister to anyone, anywhere, 
no matter where they are, that like God is always with them and that they can, they can step up. If they hear someone's going through a rough time, it's not just, Oh man, that sucks. It's, Oh man, can I pray for you right now? Like, it's not just, yeah, I was thinking about going to church this Sunday and Oh yeah, they, yeah that's cool. I hear this is a good one around. And it's no, Hey, why don't we just do church? You and me right now. Let's get a Bible out and let's just hang out. What do you think about like being able to equip students with the ability to just be able to confident to do what's necessary when it's needed, when God tells them to do it. Um, and obviously the, the shorter version of all that is being able to just teach students what it means to simply love Jesus. Uh, well, anyways, Oceans of Fun. It's going to be Oceans of Fun tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That's where we're going tomorrow. We're going to be water parks. I can't wait to go around the Lazy River once and then sit by the sun. <laughs> I am going to catch up on all my Bible reading, though. Yeah. I'm like... Two and a half days behind. So oh yeah, we are literally I do all of it when I can't swim. A, I'm just gonna a, listen to the whole thing. A couple of us are trying to read through the entire Bible in 30 days. Not trying. We are. Yeah, we are. Sorry. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. We are reading through the. Yeah. Last day. Yeah. We haven't read any of it just like four times. Dude, I'm like, like I'm gonna like audiobook the crap out of my U version. So anyways, listeners, so glad you could just hang out with us at the WaffleCast. And, uh, you know, maybe one of these days we'll get another WaffleCast in. But um, that being said, this is Caleb Davis. I'm signing out. And, um, you know, grace and peace be with you. Um, I don't know. I'm oh, still. It is cringy, but it's cringy that's enough. That's kind of the point. That's yeah, plenty of good point. You say it enough, people will catch on. I don't know. Anyways, I'll think of a catchphrase none of these days, signing off phrase or something like that. Have a square day. Have a waffle day. You know. Have, may, may your days and your dreams just be lathered in syrup. How weird can we make this waffle? <laughs> I, was like, I just want you. You know, here's the thing about the Lord. The Lord is like a waffle, and he just, you know, he just puts you on his press, and he just irons out all the sin in your life. And then when you were thought you were just batter, he turns you into a beautiful waffle. That's just. I thought you said the Lord was the waffle. You said we're the waffle. <laughs> I guess we're, yeah, I was, he's the syrup that makes spring sugar into our life, and then it gets gobbled up by his love. He gets got, we get gobbled up by his love. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. There's something spiritual in there. See, the syrup soaks into us the waffle. That's right. It makes us holy and better. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Plain waffle is not good enough. You have to have the syrup. Yeah. If you don't have the syrup, it's not and just the butter is the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right. And that's our heresy for the day. So, <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Yep. Yeah.